It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's 11:40. The bet it is almost game day. Raiders, your preview. Here's the Raiders get ready to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Joining us now, it's been a minute, but from Silver and Black today, the original <laughs> Odyssey podcast. Scott Branson joins us, of course. He hosts Silver and Black today with his co-host Mo Moulton. And Scott, we'll start here because I have a couple goals for this interview. Just like personally. Uh, number one, obviously, we got to get people ready for this game on Sunday. Uh, number two, I need to make sure this interview doesn't end up like Jonathan Abrams' career. Um, and <laughs> first and foremost, like there's so much going on. And, I, and like I said, it's been a minute since we've talked. Um, I know you're a dad and obviously Christmas is coming. So we start yes. with my personal life. Um, so when it comes to my kid, my four year old son, Sire, yeah. um, you know, I kind of spoil him. He has like every Marvel character. He has a whole bunch of Legos. Um, and I kind of was approached by his mom and this is her plan. She says, mm. look, this year we're going two gifts, small gifts for each of us. So I get two, you get two. And then we combined for the final gift and we get in some big. And wow. that sounds logical. OK, sure. It sounds economical. But there's something in my heart that doesn't seem right with him only opening five gifts on Christmas. So talk <laughs> me through this. What do I do? Well, so it's a good it's it well, it's a good question. And I will tell you that having five kids uh, now with my, my oldest being 25, my youngest is 11. Uh, I've been through it all. Right. So I've done the Christmases where we bought them so much stuff that we couldn't walk in the room on Christmas morning because there was just stuff everywhere. And um, I will tell you that there's a balance to be struck. So, so I get it, the, the, the excitement of opening gifts on Christmas morning and all that, uh, for a kid especially, right, that's when it's the best, is, is awesome. But I've overdone it, Adrian, in the past where we, we got done with it. We said, wow, we just, they just opened all this stuff. And for the last three days, they played with three things, right? Yeah. So, so I, I think there is, I mean, as a kid, I, the opening is great. But we, we, as, as our kids kind of moved along the path, what we found, first of all, their gifts get more expensive as they get older, as I'm sure you're 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 going to find out. Um, Got a couple more years till I can buy a video game console. Yeah, a couple yeah. more years. <laughs> Xbox, Dad. Xbox or whatever. So, um, so from that perspective, my advice to you: it's not a bad plan, um, but I don't think it's also bad if you do a bunch of little stuff or things that you know. We used to like to do things like books. Uh, and stuff that's not real expensive, but they get to open it and it also enriches their life, right? Because the best thing in my view you can do is, is read to your kids. And uh, going by my first two kids, my, my daughter got a full academic scholarship, was a National Hispanic Merit Scholar. So I'm thinking it worked. So, I mean, I think those are the types of things too as well. It doesn't have to be expensive. So maybe you can find some middle ground um, with, with, with All Sire's right. mom, with some Sire's mom and say, Hey, listen, let's go a little bigger than five, but let's just keep up. Let's keep it under X dollars or something like that. Just so he's got a little more excitement. Um, or you take a gift that's got four pieces and you kind of separate it. You know, it might be something, uh, if he wants to learn how to cook, you give him a bowl with some cake mix in it and then a 
and then a spatula and this separately. So that that would be my recommendation to you. Look at this. For anyone who's trying to get some Raiders content before the game, I promise you there's a father out there dealing with the same uh, thing, and we're here to yes. help you as we help yes. our lives. Um, and let's get to the football. Two big, huge games in Allegiant Stadium this weekend, Pac-12 yep. uh, championship game, and then, of course, a Chargers. The sold-out Pac-12 championship. Yes, minutes ago, sold out and the most expensive, and it'll be a complete <laughs> home game for USC as only like 3% of Utah's purchase tickets. But – for yeah. the Raiders, of course, they've won two in a row, uh, both on the road, beating the Broncos, beating the Seahawks. Uh, they sit at four and seven. Uh, just like, where's your headspace right now? Where should Raider Nation be in terms of this season and how it's going along? Well, I know in today's uh, hyper socially media driven world, negativity seems to sell more. But what I've been preaching to Raider Nation, and believe me, I've been hard on Josh McDaniels. I've been hard on the organization for how the season started. But there's some positive momentum. And I've said over the last couple of weeks, even in a season that disappoint, there's no way the season won't be disappointing. I'm sorry. I still don't think they make the playoffs. Is there a chance? Yes. I just don't think it happens. But I will tell you this. All you need for a team like this is positive momentum for them to feel better about themselves, for the organization to find out what pieces that are there and are in place that you want to keep. Because there's going to be roster turnover, Adrian. They're going to have to turn stuff over at the end of the season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So guys are playing for their jobs. But more than that, with a new system, with a new coach, with a lot of new players, they put in a lot of hard work, and they didn't see any benefit from that. They weren't winning. They were losing. Now two overtime wins in a row, this team feels like it's starting to find its mojo and get better to the point where they should be competitive in all games. They shouldn't blow big leads. And so the Chargers coming in, with a horrendous run defense. And if Josh Jacobs can get that calf in the shape he did against Seattle, then suddenly you got to feel pretty good about Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. And I, if I'm a Raider fan, uh, while having that tinge of disappointment, I just want to see the guys get better. And I think they are. And I want to ask you this, and I don't want to go into this social media like a negative space, but I do want to have this conversation. And I know your co-host Mo Moten is kind of, when it comes to Josh McDaniels in specific, Kind of telling people like, hey, I get it. This hasn't been a great season, but what are we just going to do the same thing and fire a coach and just keep keep rotating door and keep getting people in here? Yes, yes. But, <laughs> and and I know stats and everything can fit a narrative, like however you want to turn for an argument and stuff. But when it comes to Josh McDaniels, like I give him full credit for realizing, because we even talked about this after the Tennessee game of like, why did Josh Jacobs disappear? And this team kind of went full go in the right. run game. But at the same time, I also have to realize like this is Derek Carr's worst season as a pro player. And he's had all these pieces. Granted, they haven't been healthy throughout the season, but that's the NFL. So basically, where do you stand on that with like, okay, cool. The run game has been crazy. We didn't expect it. But also you came here for one reason and you had added pieces when you came in here as the head coach and it's turned out terribly. Yeah. So I, I think, I think you have to have patience. Has he done everything? Well, obviously not. You don't sit at four and seven because all the decisions you made were brilliant. Um, and you're right about the run game. Josh Jacobs, I keep saying it, Adrian, without Josh Jacobs running like he has, this team doesn't have a win. I mean, they don't have a win without him. They just don't. As good as Devontae Adams is and has been in, in several games this year and having such a great season, it doesn't matter. Without Josh Jacobs, they do nothing. So, so you have to understand that. But at the same time, I think Raider fans who don't like Josh McDaniels, 
are not giving him credit for the adjustments he has made. Has he made all the adjustments? I think he should. No. But at the same time, there has been progress there too. Just like with the team, I think you're seeing a better called game every week on offense. So he's obviously been listening and understanding not only the going to Josh Jacobs, but also the play selection. It's been much, much better. Yes, he still has some questionable and strange calls on third and long and fourth and long sometimes like we saw against Seattle, uh, of course, with the big pitch that went nowhere. But but that's okay. He, again, I think a lot of people look at Josh McDaniels. They look at the Denver situation when he was there as a young guy that didn't go well. But in reality, he's a, he's a first-time head coach again. He's not somebody who has a bunch of experience and comes in and you expect just to figure it out like that. So I think you have to be patient and you have to have uh, the ability to have stability. Okay. So without stability, I don't care if you're in radio, if you're in football or you're in accounting, uh, it's not going to go well for you. So Raider fans who are angry and, and want somebody fired after six games, what are you going to get? You're going to get what you've had for the last 25 years. And you bring up Josh Jacobs and the season that he's had. And even before this season, we talked about it, bringing up Jonathan Abram again, either Jonathan Abrams or Josh Jacobs, who needs to have a bigger season. Thankfully, one of those has panned out. And of course, it's been the hot topic of conversation after his performance last week. Um, where are you on Josh Jacobs and his contract status? And should the Raiders, you know, invest to bring him back? And, and how do you see this playing out? What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, it all depends. And if you look at Josh Jacobs, if I'm Josh Jacobs, by the way, I want to test the market. Uh, so Paul Barkley is going to be out there. He might reset the market. Uh, it's been estimated about 12 to 13 million for Josh Jacobs uh, after what he's done this year. And based on the market, that market could change. That number could go to $15 million. I don't know about you, as great of a season as he had, and I certainly appreciate what he's done for the team. Uh, I'm not paying five, 15 million for a running back in the NFL with all the needs that you have on defense, with all the question marks you have on offensive line. I think it comes to economics. It doesn't come because he's not a great player, uh, but a running back in the NFL has a very short lifespan. And so for me, if I'm then, if I want to keep him, I can tag him and pay that. I think it depends where they're at. But at the same time, I think if they tag him, it would be to negotiate a longer deal. And I don't think the Raiders, after making the big deals they made last offseason, uh, really have the ability to do that. And if I'm the Raiders, I'd rather invest the money in defense and invest the money on bolstering the offensive line. And you talk about the investments that have been made to this team heading into the season. Of course, one of those, the contract extension of the homecoming king of Las Vegas, as I like to call him, uh, him and Kelsey Plum, they're the king and queens of Vegas, apparently. Um, Darren Waller, of course. And it's just since training camp, he hasn't been Kyler Murray drama status like the Cardinals, but there's been drama surrounding him throughout the season and of course yeah. some of the injuries and has been on the field um and just to plug your guys' show I know you guys really deep dove into what's going on so I need to know what's going on with Darren Waller <laughs> well that's that's the that's the 17 million dollar question right is what's going on with Darren Waller obviously on IR but go back to last season where he was injured missed six games goes into the off season has surgery has an injury doesn't practice at all during camp and the preseason 
uh, goes in the regular season, only lasts a few games, and then he's out again. So uh, you look at that situation and you say, listen, this guy has just amazing God-given talent. He's, he's like no other tight end uh, from a talent perspective in the NFL. But again, your, your greatest asset is your availability. And Darren Waller has missed 52% of the Raiders games over the last two years. You cannot pay a player top dollar if he can't stay on the field. I don't care how good he can be. And again, that's all based on potential. And I think that, that that's what we've we've really been diving deep on. And we go back to the offseason, Adrian, you, and they, folks out there can check our show from July and August. We said, and we had Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network on, and she agreed there was no reason to give him an extension this year. He had two years left on the contract. He's coming off injury-prone season and surgery in the offseason. And I get trying to make guys feel good and, and tie up your core like Dave Ziegler wanted to do. But with Darren Waller, it's been a bust. And then we hear a few weeks ago, Vinny Bonsignor at the, L, at the RJ writes a story that there's some grumblings in the building that maybe they're not happy with his, his ability to come back from the injury. Then we hear uh, JT the Brick, who works for the Raiders and does a radio show, talking the other day about somebody in the locker room who people aren't uh, happy with and that he's not trying to come back from an injury. I don't think that's Hunter Renfro, by the way, by what he said. Uh, and then again, we get another story today uh, about the same situation. So I think the Darren Waller situation is this, is if if I'm the Raiders, especially if he doesn't come back this year at all, which we don't know if he will or not, is... Should that, he? Uh, that's a fair um, question, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, hey, I'm paying you all that money. Come back. Yeah, absolutely. Now, does he want to come back? I don't know. He doesn't seem to want to get on the field or he hasn't been able to. Dr. David Chow was on my good friend uh, Q's radio show, and he talked about the fact that there's something not right with this injury because based on what we've been told, what his injury is, he should already be back. So, so now you have a doctor, an NFL doctor uh, uh, saying that there's something not right with this. So I don't know what's going on, but clearly Darren Waller um, and the future with the Raiders, I think is up in the air. If I'm the Raiders, mm. whether he comes back or not, um, if I can get draft capital uh, in, in the off season, uh, a fourth round, third round draft, whatever they can get for him, I do it because they got a lot of other needs and they need to get younger and they have to get guys that can get on the field and stay on the field. No, hundred percent. And before we get you out of here, well, first off, hold on, let me backtrack real quick. It's cool that we segued. I started talking about my Christmas presents and just buying too many gifts. <laughs> and it seems that's what the Raiders did last off season. Just everybody get a yeah. contract extension. They got yeah. hyped off the Devonte Adams and rightfully so you got to go after it in this division. But um, before we get you out of here, uh, we do need to talk about these Raiders fans apparently being the rudest in the NFL. <laughs> now, I yeah. feel like when it comes to this question, I have a special sort of expertise because I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, which means, uh -huh. unfortunately, I'm a Browns fan. So to me, the rude could be mistaken for someone who's just been hurt a lot in relationships with people <laughs> that they care about. All right. So yeah. is it rude or are they hurt? Well, uh, so so listen, I think I think that it was these surveys, while they're fun for us guys with microphones in front of us to talk about, uh, they don't really mean a lot. And I think the fan, the one they got right was number one, which was the Philadelphia Eagle fans, because they are terrible and they're horrific. And if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan, I've been there enough. I know exactly who you are. So don't don't come preaching at me. Um, but but I will tell you this with the Raider fans. I had one of our listeners uh, uh, email me today, actually, and he said, listen, the reason that we sometimes get a reputation for, for causing fights or being rude is because we really look at each other as a family. So if you pick on one of us, we'll jump in 
and we will defend our folks. That's how close we are. Now, that was his explanation. I think it's overblown. I've been around Raider fans a lot now for six and a half years, and I just have never seen it. Yes, is there bad apples in every group? You betcha. Is there guys who get too drunk and go to a game and start fights? Absolutely. It happens in baseball. It happens in the NBA. It happens in hockey. You name it. But uh, I don't think Raider fans – in fact, I've never been I'm – a, I'm a, I grew up a Charger fan. So they, I grew up as somebody who didn't like the Raiders, and Raider fans treat me better than Charger fans do. So I don't want to hear that they're rude. I don't believe it. Uh, I think they're the most passionate. Not only that, but you look, at, you look at Raider fans and how they come together for charity through all these different fan groups like the Black Hole, my good friend Murph at Raiders Fan Radio. They, they raised $10,000 for the Fred and the Blitnikoff Foundation uh, and their dinner coming up the Crab Fest on, uh, in Las Vegas. So I, I don't want to hear that they're rude. I think, I think Raider fans get a bad rap because they might look scary with all the makeup and the pads and all that stuff. <laughs> I love it. And before we get you out of here and uh, plug everything you got going on, uh, just the, the, the key factors that you're looking in uh, when it comes to this Chargers-Raiders game on Sunday. I think the biggest factor is Josh Jacobs. Is Josh Jacobs – plays like he did. He doesn't have to gain 300 yards of total offense, of course, but if he's healthy enough to go, because we know he might not practice all week, if he's healthy enough to go uh, and and can can carry the load like he did against Seattle, I think that gives the Raiders an incredibly uh, upper hand. I also think the Raiders pass offense against the Raiders bang, or excuse me, the Chargers banged up defensive backs uh, is also an advantage for them, but it's all going to come back to whether or not Josh McDaniels can give Josh Jacobs the load that he needs to, but also spell him. The Raiders had a very heavy and I thought talented running back room heading into the season, and they haven't developed it all. It's been all Josh Jacobs. Uh, they need to get Zamir White or somebody. Yes, uh, Zamir. A little bit. Yes, no, exactly. And before we get you out of here, uh, last thing, plug everything you got going on. What's on the latest <laughs> edition of the Silver and Black today? The Odyssey original podcast. Okay, well, I did announce my uh, candidacy for president yesterday. No, I'm kidding. Um, nobody wants that job. Uh, Raider so, Nation uh, president, let's go. <laughs> uh, but yes, the, the Odyssey original podcast, Silver and Black today. By the way, number three in the entire network in the NFL podcast. So thank you all for listening. But you can get that anywhere you get your podcast. You can also listen to us over the air on 1140 The Bet. That's really early for those of you working uh, the overnight shift there in Vegas, 4 a.m., but also on 98.5 The Fan, sister station, at 9 a.m. as well. So go ahead and do that. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. There it is. Getting us uh, the Raiders coverage. We need and we deserve. Scott Branson. thank you as always. Peace. Take care, Adrian.